0: Here's my favorite rant for the day, excerpted from our podcast, which you can find over at TomHartman.com. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom and the American way. Happy New Year. It's the, it's our first, you know, full non-holiday day of 2018. My entire life, the first couple of weeks of the new year, I always, you know, uh, well, we used to write checks. Now, I guess it's more online banking and whatnot, but um, I, I would always get the year wrong. And, but here it is, 2018. It's amazing. And as we're going forward, sometimes it's useful to look back, and, and I'm not talking about, you know, any kind of wrap-up or anything like that. I'm talking about looking back to 1940. To get some sense of where we might be or where we might be going, history does. Uh, what is it? What's the old saying? History doesn't uh, tra- move in cycles, but it does rhyme, or you know, words to that effect. Anyway, in uh, in nineteen, uh, Louise and I over the weekend went to see *Darkest Hour*, the new movie about Churchill, and uh, about this uh, roughly month, month and a half long period. In the history of England, when Chamberlain stepped down, Churchill became the prime minister and uh, made the decision to to take take uh, the United Kingdom into World War II. And uh, it's an amazing it's an amazing movie, and I strongly, highly recommend it. And in the movie, Churchill calls Franklin Roosevelt, and and I'm not, you know. I I hope I'm not spoiling the movie for you. I can't imagine that I am because all of this stuff is history. I mean, you know, we all know the story. We know exactly what happened. We know how it turned out. It's just so brilliantly performed and brilliantly acted. And there's, you know, and and his relationship with King George VI and just the, you know, there's just all kinds of really cool stuff in there. But at one point in the movie, he calls FDR and says, help, right? I mean, you know, his army is trapped in France literally entire army, 300,000 British soldiers. His army is trapped in France. The Nazis have, have enclosed it, have, have largely encircled it. They, and they're trying to get them all, you know, off the, off the continent and back to the UK. And he's, he's, he's just facing this terrible crisis. And he calls FDR and he says, we need your help. And FDR says, I can't do it. Congress passed a law saying, I can't help you against the Nazis. And in fact, Congress did pass that law. When I was, uh, when my dad was still alive, this was maybe 30 years ago or thereabouts, my father gave me for Christmas one year, as I recall, might've been my birthday. My dad was a book collector. He had 20,000 books in his basement. And my dad gave me as a gift. This book, by edited by Rex Stout. Rex Stout was the guy who created Nero Wolfe, the fictional detective, and he was the most widely read, widely published author in the United States in the nineteen forties. The Nero Wolfe series was; I mean, he sold over seventy million books. And he, during World War II, he worked in the Bureau of Propaganda uh, to, you know, help encourage Americans to fight World War II. And uh, after World War II, he compiled a list of speeches that were given by members of Congress, the House and the Senate, on the floor of the House and Senate, these were all public speeches, urging, urging the United States not to, not to help the United Kingdom in their fight with Hitler, which, as I said, led to this law that, that you will see in this movie, Darkest Hour, which I strongly recommend you go visit. You go see. It's just an amazing movie. Actually, tears in my eyes a couple times during the movie. It's just a brilliant movie. So these, they were virtually all Republicans. This was the America First movement. You know, we don't need to defend Europe. Let Hitler do whatever he's doing. Well, you know, let me just read you some of the speeches. This is uh, from George Bender, a Republican from Ohio. He says, I wish to call attention to a statement made by an expert, Colonel Lindbergh. Now, you'll recall Charles Lindbergh was saying, hey, you know, Hitler's not so bad and uh, we don't need to. He was, you know, one of the champions of the American America First Movement. Anyway, he says, let us not. He's quoting from Lindbergh, quote, let us not be confused by this talk of invasion by European aircraft. See, in other words, don't worry. There's no threat from Hitler coming to the United States. He says, the air defense of America is as simple as the attack is difficult when the true facts are faced. We are in danger of a war today, not because the American, the European people have attempted to interfere with the internal affairs of America, but because American people have attempted to interfere with the internal affairs of Europe. Oh my God. We're upset with Hitler. Regardless of which side wins the war, there is still quoting from, from uh, Charles Lindbergh, Regardless of which side wins the war, there is no reason, aside from our own actions, to prevent a continuation of peaceful relationships between America and the countries of Europe. In other words, Lindbergh saying, you know, if Hitler takes over Europe, that's fine. We can do business with Hitler. And then you get into the real reason for this. The real reason that the Republicans were fighting so hard to prevent FDR from going to war in 1940 was because they believed that if if FDR entered the war in Europe in 1940, keep in mind in 1939, Hitler had invaded Poland. If they, if we entered the war in 1940, then uh, the belief was that FDR would win another, a third term as president, which by the way happened, but they didn't want that to happen. And they thought that FDR, they, they asserted, the Republicans asserted that FDR was trying to generate war with Europe just to become a third term president. So here, again, this is George, uh, Republican Congressman, Ohio Republican Congressman George Bender. Any device at all that suits the convenience of President Roosevelt in order to get us into this war by the back door, the power of peacetime conscription in the hands of an administration that is proved by its record to have used every conceivable excuse for regimenting America, overturning all tradition and changing our form of government is nothing but an invitation to disaster. You get this? He's saying the Franklin Roosevelt administration throughout the 1930s, by saving America from the Great Depression, the Republican Great Depression, regimented America. Yes, we we forced, you know, companies to pay into unemployment insurance funds. FDR created unemployment insurance. Uh, we, we, we required people to pay into Social Security. Oh my God. Uh, overturning all tradition. Yes, let's integrate the army. And changing our form of government. Well, we FDR sort of did. I mean, we became more of a democratic socialist country, but uh, the Republicans were not at all happy about that. This is Hamilton Fish. Uh, He is the Republican from New York. This is June 22nd, 1940. Again, this is, you know, leading up to the election of 1940. Colonel Lindbergh was right when he said in one of his recent speeches, let us stop this hysterical chatter about calamity and invasion that has been running rife in these last few days. It is not fitting for the people who built this nation. The only reason we're in danger to becoming involved in this war is because there are powerful elements in America who desire to take part in it. Let us have an end to the secret diplomacy and the secret commitments of President Roosevelt that have brought ruin and disaster to France and from which we have escaped only by a miracle and the will of the American people expressed through Congress to keep America out of the war. President Roosevelt alarmed the nation by his inflammatory Italian dagger thrust in the heart speech. Whom do we fear? Do we fear Hitler? who seems afraid to attack England over 20 miles of sea when he would have to cross 3,000 miles to get here? This is preposterous. Let us stop this fear hysteria. And then uh, the Republican representative from New York, Hamilton Fish, on the floor of the House of Representatives, September third, 1940, uh, you know, FDR was talking about maybe we should start a draft. And he says, peacetime conscription in America is the direct road to Hitlerism, dictatorship, and national socialism. If we adopt peacetime conscription, we are merely copying Nazi methods and ideology. We have much more to fear from the war makers from within than from our enemies without, right? We have more to fear from FDR than we do from Hitler. It's incredible, but we're we're back there again where the Republicans are basically selling out their country for political gain. And this uh, only this time, they actually, they have a, you know, they have Republican control of the, of the House, the Senate, the White House, and the Supreme Court. But this is the direction that they're going. Anyhow, we'll be back. We're talking about what might happen in the new year. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And what are your plans for the new year? I plan to stay active. We'll be back. Welcome back. Oh my, oh my, oh my. So is the Republican party still made up of illustrious dunderheads? Basically the first question in the 1940s, they were, they were willing to sell out our country to Hitler in order to prevent Franklin Roosevelt from becoming president for a third term. Is the Is the same thing happening, essentially? Now, some would say, you know, oh, yeah, they're selling out our country to Russia. I'm a little more skeptical of that, but I think that they're clearly selling out our country to the oligarchs within our country and the oligarchs around the world. Some of them are probably Russian oligarchs, certainly Chinese oligarchs and European oligarchs and South American oligarchs. And and let's not forget the Saudi oligarchs, billionaires around the world basically owning the Trump administration. So there's that. You know, what, what is this going to bring us in the next year when, when the Republican Party institutionally in 1940 essentially committed treason saying we should not, you know, uh, just, just let Hitler kill the Jews, just let Hitler take over Europe. It's not a big deal. He's an okay guy. He's a, he's a right winger just like us, right? And now you've got the Republican Party, you know, kind of going down that same path of America first. No, we're not going to intervene in the world and we're not going to, or maybe we are, but we're only gonna do it in a way that trashes Muslims, really. By the way, Muslims for Progressive Values, mpv.org, a great organization. I was reminded of that over the weekend. So a second question I wanted to put on the plate for conversation today. Which sounds better to you, a guaranteed basic income or a federal job guarantee? That's the headline that Eve Smith posted over at Naked Capitalism last week. And it's a it's a reprint of an article by Howie Klein that was originally published over at Down with Tyranny. And it's a takeoff on a piece, a year-old piece in Jacobin Magazine, Why We Need a Federal Job Guarantee. And basically there's, you know, like you've got Raw cap- at the at the beginning, you've got basically raw capitalism, an economic system, where those with capital basically own the system. It's a neo-feudal system. It's a it's a it's a reinvention of a, of a form of economics and politics that, that ruled Europe and Asia and South America, for, you know, for for millennia. And this is the modern version of it. Uh, you know, just at will employment. The right to work for less states, the employer has all the power, the employee has no power. So you've got that. That's kind of the starting point. And that's where we were, you know, when we started the republic. And then unions rose, and workers demanded rights, and and citizens demanded regulations to protect themselves from being poisoned by big companies or being, you know, uh, robbed by big companies, et cetera. And then we went from a raw capitalism to regulated capitalism, which seems like a good first step. And now there's like two steps beyond that. What do you do when capitalism itself starts to fail? And at least in this context, the the capitalism equals jobs formula. Because what is happening increasingly in this era of monopoly or oligopoly you know, a small number of very large corporations owning everything from our media to our food supply to everything else, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing this, this extraordinary concentration of power. And with that, and they're using that power to reduce our wages, reduce our benefits and, and, you know, make us all poorer basically so that the, so that the 1% can get richer. And that's exactly what's been going on ever since the Reagan presidency kicked off this process. So, What do you do about it? Well, there's a couple of solutions. One that has come out of Europe is the universal basic income. Everybody gets a certain amount of money every year, say 10000 bucks, whether they work or not, no matter what they do. The problem with the UBI is that it is hard to understand and easy to attack. It doesn't make a good bumper sticker. So what they're recommending is that instead of doing the UBI, we do what Franklin Roosevelt did in the 1930s, which worked spectacularly well. It got us out of the Great Depression, and that was it, you know, the way that he put it together. Was as long as the federal unemployment rate was above twenty five percent, the federal government off, you know offered and guaranteed jobs to people. And we did it through all these uh, acronym agencies: the WPA, the Works Progress Administration, the CCC, the Civilian Conservation Corps. Uh, the TVAA, the Tennessee Valley Authority, on and on they went, right? There were all these organizations that uh, Roosevelt created or that were created as a result of the New Deal that were basically government jobs. And so this is, this is called a federal job guarantee, an FJG, federal job guarantee. And there's a whole bunch of reasons why a federal job guarantee would be a good thing Number one, there would be fewer poor Americans. Why? Because the federal job would come with a reasonable wage, and it would it would become the new wage floor. Uh, Howie Klein is suggesting that uh, the federal job guarantee should be jobs that pay at least twenty-three thousand dollars a year, rising to a meeting of thirty-two thousand a year. Federal jobs can provide socially useful goods and services. We need to rebuild our roads. We need to take care of our national parks. Our infrastructure is in shambles. These would be good jobs. And it provides a social environment for people in the workplace. It provides a wage floor. It stabilizes our economy. What's not to like about this? Can you knock this down? You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. Call 202-808-9925. I can't come up with even one good reason why we should not have a federal job guarantee. We'll discuss it after this and everything else that's going on. Stick around. And welcome back, Tom Hartman, here with you. Boy, oh boy, what a what an extraordinary year! There's. I, I just wanted to share with you one other quick thing. This is from uh, the Washington Post today, the Daily Two Hundred Two, and uh, by James Holman. And what he, he says, the, the essence of the article is that if you really want to know the priorities of the Republican Party and the Donald Trump administration, all you have to do is look at the news dump over the holidays where, where they, they just, you know, they put out the this, this stuff, excuse me, they put out the stuff that they basically wanted buried. And he starts out by saying the fireworks seen at Mar-a-Lago on New Year's Eve were paid for by billionaire industrialist David Koch, according to the Palm Beach Daily News, as part of another private party put on by an even more exclusive club that was at the Flagler Museum down the street from Donald Trump's uh, Gilded Age uh, place. And uh, so, you know, he says this is the new Gilded Age, and here's what's going on. These are the these are the these are the things that Trump did that were announced over the Christmas holiday, Christmas, New Year's holiday, that you might have missed because, hey, who's watching the news, right? Number one, overturning key regulations on fracking. On the last business day of the year, the Interior, this is quoting Chris Mooney, on the last business day of the year, the Interior Department rescinded a 2015 Obama administration rule that would have set new environmental limitations on hydraulic fracturing or fracking on public lands. It would have tightened standards For well construction and wastewater management required the disclosure of the chemicals contained in fracking fluids and probably driven up the cost for many fracking activities. We've got to to stop that. And so, yep, sure enough, they stopped that. Thank you, Arthur. Week number two, weakening the rules that were designed to prevent another Deepwater Horizon spill. The agency also moved to water down the well control rule, which is intended to prevent the kind of blowout that killed 11 workers. This is the Bureau of Safety and Environmental Enforcement. Declaring number three, declaring open season on migratory birds. On the Friday before Christmas, the Interior Department quietly rolled back an Obama-era policy aimed at protecting migratory birds by announcing that oil, gas, wind, and solar operators who accidentally kill birds will no longer be prosecuted. Number four, reinstating mining leases for Ivanka Trump's landlord. Yes, seriously. This is the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness of northern Minnesota. On the Friday before Christmas, the Interior Department moved to renew expired leases for copper and nickel mining operations on the border of the park, reversing an Obama decision. This directly benefits the Chilean mining firm owned by billionaire Andronico Luxik, who rents a six-bedroom mansion to the first daughter and her husband, Jared Kushner, in the posh Calorama neighborhood of Washington, D.C. Interesting. Number five, letting nursing hooks off the the hook when their patients suffer in their care. The Trump administration reversing guidelines put into place under Obama is scaling back the use of fines against nursing homes that harm residents or place them in grave risk of injury. So if you run a nursing home and you want to, you know, beat up your patients or, hey, the open season on old folks. Number six, civil servants may not get a bonus because the rich got a tax cut. The White House is now warning agencies to brace for even deeper cuts in the budget in the 2019 budget. It'll announce early next year part of an effort to lower the federal deficit to pay for the new tax law. Number seven, undercutting enforcement by waging a war of attrition against the bureaucracy. Uh, OSHA, for example, wave of recent retirements, has depleted the managerial staff of the agency's 70 field offices. It's been a six percent drop in personnel. The Chemical Safety Board, one of 19 small agencies, Trump has marked for elimination we don't need no safety from chemicals. Number eight, reneging on a federal commitment to fund a major infrastructure project. Well, we'll see. He, he still says he's going to do it, but he's going to do it with money from the billionaires. So, Number uh, nine, firing all the members of the Presidential Advisory Council on HIV AIDS. He notified them by FedEx on Friday last week uh, without warning. Number 10, maneuvering behind the scenes to sabotage the census. They want the Census Takers to start asking people to prove that they're citizens of the United States, which is going to cause a lot of people to say, you know, no to the Census Takers. I mean I'm talking about citizens of the United States who may look Hispanic and and have not gone through the trouble, you know, who who have who are who are Hispanic genetically, but have, you know, are actual US citizens. They were born in this country, their parents were their grandparents, whatever but they may not have their citizenship documents around or they don't have their passports or whatever. And I mean, you know, who wants to go through that, right? It's like, it's like the whole thing with voting. The Republicans now not only are trying to make it hard for you to vote, but in order to help their gerrymandering, they want to scare away Hispanics from answer, and, and Asians for, uh, from answering census questions so that they don't get counted so that those particularly big cities where you see a lot of, 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 of these folks... Um, uh, so, you know, they have less representation in Congress. I mean, it's just, it's just bizarre. For more of this rant and to hear the entire show, you can subscribe to our podcasts at TomHartman.com.